0: Man, it's great to have you guys here with us, and uh, it's great to be worshiping with you. We're walking through a series here, and uh, walking through a marriage series. In fact, yesterday, we uh, were on our way out to Indiana, my wife and I. We ended up uh, not being able to, I wasn't able to go to Act Like Men. We were taking our daughter out and dropping her off at Taylor University. Alyssa was going out there, our younger one. And uh, she's considering Taylor, and they have a summer program So we dropped our little one off for three stinking weeks, man. (laughs) That's a long time. And as we're driving away, and uh, we started realizing, you know what? It's like you, me, and the dog now. That's kind of where we are. And as we started talking things through about life and talking through all different facets of life, and one thing we realized, one thing that became very clear to me is, we better be very careful with this thing called marriage, because we start thinking of marriage pretty quickly as raising kids or doing something like that. We think of it as something other than what it ends up really being, which is a husband and wife and the two becoming one. And let's figure that out and work that out with all we've got. And uh, for those of you with littler kids, I'm telling you, someday you're going to be dropping them off at college, and uh, there will be tears on the first one and Maybe tears on the second and maybe laughter and high fives by the last. I don't know. That's up to you. And, uh, but you know, along the way, it's what are we doing together to build a oneness? And then, Lord, what does this show me about who you are? And uh, so let's just start from the beginning again and say this. Maybe you're single here today. And it's like, what should marriage even look like then? And this can be some lessons learned for future, making some good decisions. Maybe you're engaged. Same thing, right? Maybe you're in the midst of marriage, and it's like, there's some things I've got to be working out and taking some notes on and getting after it, and and maybe you're in a spot where that's not where you are right now, in one of those places, and you've been married in the past, or you haven't ever been married, and you know what? We can still learn much of our God as we walk through this. Glean with us as we go. I'm telling you, you're going to be amazed how many different people will ask a question about marriage. It's good for us to know exactly what God's plan is, all right? So let's dive in today. We're going to be jumping into the next section in the marriage flow. We talked about spiritual oneness. We talked about relational oneness. We talked about physical oneness. Now we're going to be diving into what does it look like to be a woman of God, a wife of God? And then what does it look like to be that man of God, the husband of God? Those are going to be the next two weeks, all right? So today is going to be a a godly wife. We've got ushers coming forward, they've got Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, they'll get one to you, all right? We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter 3, so if you need a Bible, just keep your hand raised, they'll get one to you, be patient there, all right? And uh, turn with us there to 1 Peter chapter 3, a godly wife, a few things we can learn from this passage, first six verses here, all right? First thing, <clears throat> let your attitudes and actions speak louder than your words, uh, Let your attitudes and actions speak louder than your words. Peter is writing specifically here to the wives, to women, and he puts a hardcore challenge down about action. All right? So here we go. Chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. All right? He says, Likewise, wives, Now, when we see the word likewise, it's a connecting word. He's tying it back to what was going on before it, all right? There's a couple of pieces we need to pull out of this prior paragraph that are a big deal. And uh, first of all, we need to note that he's talking to the family unit from bottom to top, all right? So he's going to be addressing all that's within the home life, And so he started out in chapter two here, he's talking to um, some of your your, uh, passages say servants or some say slaves or, right, just so we know that's a lot different than the slavery that was in America, okay? We just have to be really careful with that. These are often people who needed to be able to make ends meet. They weren't able to do it financially in the way that they normally would have. And so they would make themselves available to another family on a full-time basis I'm completely available to you, and they would get paid for that or rewarded for that at some various levels. They were called servants, or uh, in many cases, slaves, all right? And so they would work for a period of years, and then they would be released out, and they would go back to owning and running kind of their own family, their own life. That was often very typically what went on. That's quite a bit different than what we saw a couple hundred years ago around here, right? Right? Where people would seemingly go to another country and somehow feel they could claim ownership of a human being for the rest of their lives, and uh, it 's not that these were people who often willingly went in underneath it, saying, "I need some help and some assist here," and so they kind of worked with them, but they were in the family unit, and uh, that 's a big deal. They were there on a daily basis, and he 's like, "Do me a favor, you guys have some roles and so these servants that were in the household, they had a role and uh, He gives some example to it. In verse 23, he talks about what it should look like. He says, When Jesus Christ was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That was the call trust your God in the midst of whatever you're going through. And uh, all too often, we make it a human-to-human thing. We want to make it a war zone. It's horizontal completely. and But God's in the midst. What does he have to say about it, all right? and trust yourselves to God. That's the battle cry here coming at the end of chapter 2. Now he gets to chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives. Okay? So entrust yourselves to God. He's got some things going on. Like, you don't know how bad my marriage is, man. I'm suffering. And uh, I, I hear you in that. And uh, we don't want to make light of that. And uh, there can be some very rough things going on. But we do have a very clear example from Christ. Continue entrusting yourself to him who judges justly. Lord, I'm trusting you in this. Lord, what does it look like for you to be in charge of my life? All right he says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now, we talked about this same phraseology from Ephesians a couple weeks back. If you weren't here with us, catch, in, catch up on that. You can go back there, Ephesians chapter 5. and We spent a long time talking about this uh, submission word and what does it mean and what doesn't it mean, all right? And so I read something this week. I like the phrasing on it. I think it gives a good understanding. And so here we go. <clears throat> Subjection. It means to defer to his headship. Defer to his headship. I like that phraseology. All too often when we start emphasizing this word submission, in our day and age, it means losing something. Okay? But there isn't a losing of any value and any purpose and any design that God's given. In fact, there's simply a deferring out to God saying, look, I'm putting this one in charge as head of the home. And that means he's going to have to answer for how the home runs. Okay? So every guy here in me, You need to answer to God for how your home is being run. All right? That's you before God. That's what headship is. It's not cool. I get whatever I want. Like, it's not that. It's God before you. I will lead this home in a way that honors you, that raises up our kids to trust you, that leads my wife in a way that sees your hand of love and care into this home. Lord, may you be honored by what we do as a family lead the home, okay? And so, guys, that's our job. Ladies, it says here to be subject to your own husband, not to somebody else's husband, right? Not to guys in general, but to your own husband. There's a headship within the home going on, and that's a big deal. Everybody just say, that's a big deal. It is a big deal, man. Headship. It's a huge deal in Scripture, God puts in charge, and who's in charge, he will hold accountable, and we need to help that headship, whatever it might be. Maybe it's at work, and you're working for a boss, and wherever that headship lies, you're helping that headship to get accomplished what they're trying to accomplish, that God might be glorified as to the Lord, okay? So, huge deal. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now, there's a number of things we said about submission and subjection and and deferring well, and and, uh, I'm not going to go into those details here, but please remember, this does not mean if he asks you to sin, you say, okay, because I'm deferring, and like, as to the Lord, okay? And so, if the request is sin, then forget it. Just be careful what you're labeling sin, right? If it doesn't agree with you, that doesn't make it sin, right? Sin is actually when it disagrees with God's value system, not your value system, okay? And be careful with that. And uh, let him lead in that regard. Guys, be careful not to overlead where it becomes a dictatorship, okay? Check into the rest of it uh, as we talk through that in Ephesians 5. I'll leave it there. A huge deal on that. Be subject to your own husbands. So that, purpose statement, When you see the word so that, it's like this is why it's all being done, okay? So that even if some do not obey the word, that means some husbands do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Even if some do not obey the word, and uh, let's just say it this way, even if some husbands are punks, that's what he's saying, even if they refuse to consider what God has to say, even if they're walking away from what Scripture teaches, what do I do now? And I'm just telling you, the easiest answer, one human being to another, is when we disagree with how they're behaving, you tell them, right? What are you doing? What is with that? Why don't you see it this way? right? And that's a normal human-to-human interaction. I'm not even saying it's biblical or correct. We'll just leave it as normal. We tend to respond with our mouth, and we try to correct. And uh, be careful. That's not what's being called out here. And uh, in fact, if we correct over and over and over and over again, there's um, a very bad moment of expectation that gets built, where all of a sudden. Every time the mouth opens, the expectation is another criticism, right? We have to be careful of that. Are we building up an expectation that every time I speak, I have something negative to say about you, and I'm trying to correct you into where you're headed? I'm telling you, if he doesn't agree with who Christ is, some of you in this room, you have husbands who are not believing in Jesus Christ. And uh, man, his entire value system is not going to line up. And so let's be careful not to jump in and nitpick all the little details. We have a big value system statement that needs to be worked on. Well, then what's the answer? He's like, don't use your words. Instead, he gives a statement here. Uh, They can be won by the conduct of the wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Like action speaks louder than words. We've heard that phrase, right? Actions speak louder than words, and they do. I mean, how about this one? Talk is cheap, right? We've heard it. We believe it. It's actually in our colloquialisms within America. We say it, but then when we get into the situation, we don't want to live it. Let's get the words out there and let them know how fast I disagree, right? And instead, if you're living respectfully and you're living uh, in a pure conduct, there's a lot of good treatment that's going on, even in the midst of disagreement, right? Be careful on that. How often do I hear the statements made, well, I disagreed, and so, and then we end up kind of embittered. We go hard against him, or we freeze him out, or we're going to be mean to him, or uh, he can make his own meal, or um, I'm not talking to him tonight because... And it starts to get to be a how do I get back at rather than how do we respectfully communicate. And uh, pure conduct, an awesome opportunity to win them to Christ. It convinces them of who God is because something miraculous is going on in your soul. That's what it is. Like God is doing something in you and through you that could not normally humanly be done. This is not the muster it up and just be a good human being battle cry. It's not that. This is let God work in your soul to do things within you so that there is a level of respect and an honoring in behavior that is actually directed straight up to God Almighty and could only come as he's worked in your heart. And they're going to literally, the phrase will become, dude, what's with that? Like what's going on there? And you get a chance to begin to speak about your God and how real he is and the love you have for him and the honor you're bringing into the home because of it. Uh, hearts can be won with actions that truly lift up the person, okay? And I'm just telling you, uh, that's actually God's model all over the place. Did you know that's God's model for the church? Did you know that? He has the same plan in this church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Uh, Verses 23 to 25, right in there, he talks about the church on fire, and he's like, "Listen, this is how it goes down, man. It's not a felt needs service. Like, put up some massive billboard sign in front of your church that grabs the latest felt need of the community, and call them in. They may not even trust in Christ, but draw them to that. And then, as they're here, you kind of you switch them and you give them just a little bit of a Jesus statement, and you send them out, and you hope that practicality kind of helped them and And uh, everybody say, it's not that. You don't see that in Scripture. And uh, I'm all for creativity and communicating who Jesus Christ is, but be careful. We're told how to run a service, 1 Corinthians 14. And this is what it says. The Word of God brought to bear in a powerful way. In fact, in that case, there was prophesying going on, sharing forth of who God is, and this thunderous statement of God in the room, this massive worship taking place, and then all those following Jesus Christ, listening and responding, note-taking and evaluating self and saying, Lord, this is going to be for you. And this worship celebration going on as they say, I'm in for that. And the unbelievers standing there going, these people are all in on this? And really? And, and it says, and he falls on his knees and claims, Surely God is among us. Are you hearing that? That's a church on fire. And that's a home on fire as well. That's what he's saying. All of us have this call to live heartily as to the Lord, to honor him with all we've got, to worship him with all we have, to be respectful of those around us, to care with all we've got, and say, Lord, may my conduct be pure, constantly in alignment with who you are and may that rock their world as they see you at work in my life. That's what it looks like to be on fire for him. And all of God's people said, it's true in the home as well, all right? And so, ladies, this isn't some unique call only to you, but he's saying, as in the church, so now bring it into your house. And he's like, remember, Jesus Christ is the head of the church and the husband is the head of the wife and the church is being modeled right there in your home, bring it to bear, all right? And uh, you will find that often words uh, get drowned out. And um, all right. So this past week, we uh, tried to take a a little bit of a vacation, deep breath. We went to Chicago for a handful of days. Uh, We were up there Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, just trying to relax, get into a hotel up there. And and uh, enjoy life. Um, Hawks played Monday night, so we thought, ah, we can watch the Hawks. Alyssa and I care about watching the Blackhawks. Jonna and Megan um, didn't know they existed. Uh, (laughs) But uh, so the two of us wanted to be able to see it. Of course, that was a night that the Hawks lost. And uh, it was also a night that we found out that our hotel room decided that it wasn't cool to put the Hawks game on in the hotel TV's. So we had to, I had to take my 16-year-old girl down to the bar to watch the Hawks. And uh, so we're sitting there, I ordered a $7 lemonade that tasted like bug spray, I'm not sure. And and somehow in the midst of this process, we got unbelievably sick. There were three of us that went down, Jonna did not get sick, but three of us who had head colds and fevers. Megan started running this high fever overnight. This is our vacation, man. And we're like, we're walking back from the... Uh, we had gone out to lunch and we were walking back up to go to the lakefront and we're like, we can't make it. So we just went to the hotel and laid there. And uh, this was our vacation. We're like, oh, it's great to be together. <laughs> and, uh, right? and so we're laying there terrible. Jana was feeling the best and she has a broken foot. She's walking around in this, what do you call it? Some kind of boot thing. She's got some stress fracture. On her way up, I'm like, this is going to be terrible. Jonna's got a stress fracture. It turns out she was the one doing the best. She was like, let's go. And the rest of us are like, you got to be kidding me. No way. I don't want any food. And so we're laying there that night. Well, okay, so one thing we did do is we went to Ed DeBevick's together. Have you ever been to Ed DeBevick's? Okay, their motto is, we're going to be as offensive to you as we possibly can. Isn't that funny? That's their motto. They try to get it laughing and joking and making fun of, right? And so one thing you need to know about my wife is... Uh, I love you, hon. <laughs> and so when we go to restaurants to order, what they put on the menu is never correct. Something always needs to be adjusted, right? There's always something. If it's a little as maybe just the dressing on the side, please, and, and could you not include this and not that, and don't do this and don't do that. And so there's usually a little bit of detailing to it, okay? Man, you don't want to do that stuff at Ed DeBevick's. Do <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And she's like, so could I have and this and that and the other? The, here's the other thing. Jana, you've seen her sing up front. She can sing, man. She can bring it. Big voice, right? But when she's talking, she has this soft voice. And then when you get in restaurants and the volume lifts up, she still has the soft <laughs> voice. And so it always goes this way. I'll have a microscope. Sorry. What would you like to have, ma'am? I'm like, she'd like the chicken. Right. And so she goes, he comes up to her again and, and she's like, I'm like Ed DeBevix, man. You don't do that stuff. Right? She goes like that. So he goes. Did it talk? Did it? I'm sorry, ma'am, what did you say? And and then she says it again and he misunderstood. He wrote down the wrong thing. And uh, yeah. He wrote down the wrong thing. Now it goes on a little bit longer and she has a few other things to say. Now he ends up coming back with the wrong meal, right? And she says, I'm sorry, I ordered chicken, not a burger. And, and he's like, he's looks at her like, now you're jamming me, right? Because I'm correct on this. And he's, she's like, no, seriously, I did. And he goes, great. So the micromanager has another change to make <laughs> and takes the chicken back. And we never did get that thing. It took so long to... So in the end, the bottom line is, we ended up having a lot of fun getting laughed at, getting mocked, and voices barely being heard. And the way we finally did communicate to them was with a lot of pointing and a lot of patience and a lot of, right? I'm just telling you, you can have a lot of fun in life, but you're going to have to realize pretty fast, oftentimes, language fails. It just falls short, man. Words. Stop going to words all the time and start going to the modeling of living it. And may God be glorified through you. The church is to live that way. Our families are to live that way. And look, I'm all for clarity and truth. But at the same time, I'm all for pure conduct and deep respectfulness. That's what we're called to. And ladies, that's what it looks like in the marriage. Simple question now. How are you doing at respecting? How are you doing at living purely? Purely and honoring your husband as head of that home. How are you doing? Time for us to head that way, okay, ladies? That's number one. Number two, commit to having and revealing a gentle and quiet spirit. Commit to having and revealing a gentle and quiet spirit. He says, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight very precious, all right? And uh, he says, do not let your adorning be external. Let's break this down a little bit. This word adorning, it's in the original language. It's the word cosmos, all right? Do you hear that? And so, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the cosmos, okay? It's the same word. For God so loved the world, and he's like, Ladies, do not let your world be about the putting on of the external, okay? The best way to understand this is it's those things that you put together and set in order. The world as we know it is the thing that God sets in order. And he's basically saying, be careful. Make sure you put high effort in the right spot. And uh, be careful now. Some people read this and they actually change it to, Ladies, don't ever take care of the external. And that would not be what it says. And uh, just so you know, you're allowed to take care of how you look. And yes, your gorgeousness is allowed to be an honor to God. Okay? So do take care of yourselves in that regard. But be careful, be wise to where you're putting your emphasis. And uh, I love what it looks like to love the Lord, to care for ourselves well enough, to be wise in that but then be focusing on what he focuses on most. So check out what he says now. He says, don't let it be about that external. It's too easy to get all over just thinking about what the body presents. Remember, the human being is body and soul spirit, right? And what's inside, what's going on there too. And uh, so he says, don't just let it be about the external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry and the clothing you wear. See, and again, some will see this list and they're like, so never braid your hair. Right? And that's not what it's meaning. It's meaning, is that your emphasis? Like, I'm trying to present me, and it's this, all I can deliver externally. He's like, be careful, that shouldn't be it. In the NIV, it throws the word merely in there. Do not let your adorning be merely external. Uh, that word is not in the original language, but it's probably well intended to be there. It's meant to say, be careful where your focus is. How are you setting up your world, if you want to say it that way, all right? And uh, he says, with the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, in fact, the putting on, in the original language there, it's like putting it all over. It's like bracelets and necklaces and earrings and whatever you can think of and wherever you can put it. And honestly, the thought is, they're going to so think I look awesome. And like, if that's what it is, like, I'm sure that's exactly how you talked, what I just said there. And like, if you're really, if you're walking away kind of saying, my intent is to draw great attention to the external, well, then we've got issue. Be careful, all right? Don't let it go too far. And uh, it's not wrong to take care of the body that is part of who we are, but it is wrong if it becomes the everything of who we are, okay? So be cautious of that balance. And um, he says, But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit the hidden person. Notice now he's like playing on words. He's like, don't adorn the external, man. That's not the major focus. Adorn the hidden person. Okay? It's like the body. Be careful if that's your only focus. You need to be looking interior to the soul and bringing that out. Okay? And the hidden person, it's the place where we think and we feel and we desire and making sure all of that honors your God. All right? And, uh, Huge deal. The heart with an imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Gentle and quiet spirit. And uh, let's just break these down. The word gentle, it literally means humble. It means willing to be meek into a position. It's a role that's played where a heart is taken on, not of asserting self over the top, but of letting God lead. All right? And gentle, gentle. Making sure your God is leading. And, uh, and then he says the next word here, quiet spirit. I'm just going to tell you, this passage couldn't be more misinterpreted by people. And quiet, it's like, I told you that women should never use a word. And that is not what this means. That's missing it. That's not what it's saying. In fact, the word quiet, just so you know, is also used of men in three or four other passages as well, all right? And so what it means is a rebelling against, a kicking back against. It's speaking to the same context, allowing headship to lead and letting your God be over it all and entrusting yourself to God, okay? That's what it looks like. And I'll just tell you this, the the word um, quiet used of men, 2 Thessalonians 3.12, work quietly, earn a good living, or uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.11, live a quiet life and mind your own business is basically what it's saying there, okay? Be careful. And uh, 1 Timothy 2.2, pray for your leaders and lead a quiet life, all right? Can you hear it? Over and over, both of men and of women, be careful. This quiet applies to both of us. It's don't kick back against that which God has placed in charge. Be careful, headship, and be wise to it. It's not don't ever have a word. Remember, when he designed Adam, he wasn't like, we're done. He designed Adam and Eve and said, now, very good, right? And so absolutely a partnership and a teamwork and a togetherness, but there's a way to partner where we're respecting, and there's a way to partner where we're rebelling. This quiet is like, be careful of the rebelling, the pushing, the constantly demanding your own way. Be careful of that, all right? So that's that. Uh, humble and meek with no threats, continuing to entrust. Well, what if my husband <clears throat> is sinning? What if he's sinning against me? And I'll just say Matthew 18 is pretty clear on this, all right? If there's a sin, it's, we confront them. Matthew 18, starting in verse 15, and it goes to verse 18. If a brother or sister sins against you, go to them. And if they don't repent, then you come with a pair of witnesses, And so there's a way to talk through what it looks like to work out the sinfulness, all right? It's not go head-to-head and demand. (coughs) My throat's going. This is part of my cold. It's still with me, so thanks, babe. So now we'll see how it goes with a cough drop in. Here we go. Oh, my word, what are these? (laughs) I think they're grapefruit or something. Wow. (coughs) All right. Here we go. So, uh, I've totally lost my place at this point. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yes, and we got that. And uh, we're doing good. The hidden person of the heart with an imperishable beauty of gentle and quiet spirit. Please hear me now. Imperishable beauty. He's like, work on the heart. That lasts for eternity. The work that God does in your soul lasts for eternity. The work of the body fades. All right? <clears throat> so, be careful with that. Okay? Imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Very precious. We're going to try water now. So, he's like, hey, just so you know, some people think gold is precious. That's why they put it on. Right? And they're trying to decorate themselves with what they think looks uh, very expensive. They're like, you wouldn't believe how rich I am. Let me show you. Did you just hear about this person who got robbed yesterday or the day before? <clears throat> Here locally. 100,000 dollars in jewelry was stolen. 100,000. Enough said on that. Let's move on. <laughs> and uh, like, where do you put your value system? And God's like, let me tell you where I put mine. Gentle and quiet spirit. And uh, that's where it's at. Precious and priceless. And, and um, ladies, here's my request. Watch yourselves. It's heart check time. And uh, all too often, we get into a basic statement of modesty where we simply just start talking about physical externals, and let's talk about the heart for a moment, all right? So here's a few words I wrote down. It is okay to appreciate beauty. God designed you to appreciate beauty. And uh, it's an amazing moment when a woman walks in a room, invariably you end up seeing something that can be decorated up or prettied up in some way. And we appreciate that, and you have insight into that. That's great. Uh, It's not wrong for you to see that in your own life. Um, Just be careful. Are you seeking to reveal the money that you have or the body that you have by the way that you're dressing? Are you seeking to reveal the money that you have or the body that you have by the way you're dressing? And uh, maybe I'll say it this way. Beauty is so much more than just revealing the sexual. So much more. So here's a few words I threw out before. Uh, four C words. Color, creativity, class, character. And your clothing can model that. Color, creativity, class, character. Start getting creative in how you're going to express beauty. Be careful. The world's going to express it with less and less clothing, more and more body reveal. That's the world's view and uh, your view. Hey, man, I'm dressing up the heart for my God, and I'm going to express some level of beauty with what goes on externally. And uh, be careful with that. So many of you already get this, and uh, some of you need to get it more, and you'll figure out who you are as days go on, (laughs) all right? Uh, Let me throw one more test question. It is not to draw the lust of the guy or the envy of the girl. You are never dressing to draw the lust of the guy or the envy of the girl. You are honoring your God. That's what it looks like. Not the lust of the guy, not the envy of the girl, but the honor of your God. Every single morning waking up saying, Lord, how can I honor you with what I dress with? All right? That's what it looks like to begin to manage the external and now go after the internal. Huge deal. So there was a commercial that was created in 1997, it became utterly famous. It's been used over the last 18 years by MasterCard. It has not stopped. It has become totally famous. I made something up that kind of follows the guideline of it. It's still running today, so here we go. Latest hairstyle, $70. You know where I'm going? <laughs> earrings that show, you off, show off your new haircut, $100. Those are some nice earrings, right? Gorgeous new dress, $100. Gas to get to church, 10 bucks. A heart of humility that places God first. Priceless. So that's what he's saying. This is just a MasterCard commercial, man. That's all he's doing here. He's like, I'm just telling you, it doesn't really matter what's going on with the, the money spent that's low end when it comes to compared to the heart. Priceless. May God be glorified. And uh, so guys... Be careful what you value in your home. Be careful what you speak of as valued in your home. And lead your daughters in a way where they value this in the home the proper way. A great heart on fire for Christ. And uh, yes, the external still cared for. All right? So simple question. Uh, What are you valuing? Are you valuing the external? Or are you valuing the heart and soul? What are you valuing? May God be shown off as you choose the right direction and make much of Him working on your spirit, all right? So those are the first two points. Third, place your hope in God and follow after Him as He directs. Place your hope in God and follow after Him as He directs. All right. He says, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God Used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham. Let's just keep there. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God, everybody just say hope in God. Say it bigger. I'm just telling you, that's where we all need to be. All right? And so while he's focusing on women here and saying, Women, this is what it needs to be, guys, same thing. Hope in God. What we need to be going after is God Almighty shown off. Hope in Him. Trusting Him. It goes right back to 1 Peter chapter 2 and trusting Himself to Him who judges justly. Hope in God. That's where we need to be headed. May God get all the greater glory. He says, They used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. Notice the word own in there, right? And so Sarah, honoring. In the midst of it, as she submits to Abraham, it says, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Some of the guys are like, I knew it. That's what's missing in our home. The language needs to change a little bit. This afternoon, I've got some statements to make. Family, gather together. From now on, my name is not Dad. My name is Lord. Lord. And uh, come join me in this, and just so you know, while he said that that's what Sarah said, he now is going to tell what the follow-through or the principle should be from it. Check out what he says. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Never brings up the Lord's statement. That's not an example of what we should be doing to follow through. He's like, that's just where Sarah went. Now let's talk about the word Lord for a minute. All right, the word Lord, it literally means someone who has headship responsibility, That's what it means. And so when we apply it to Jesus Christ, headship over the universe, all right, Lord of all. And uh, so it's important we throw of all on there. That's Jesus Christ. And uh, when you have headship, this word kurios, it's a word to be used for someone who has responsibility over and they are sitting over it, okay? That's what it means. And so she's respecting his headship and she's calling that out. That's what's happening here. He does not go forward and say that word must be used in the family, right? But what he does say is um, doing good, pure conduct, right? Remember those words from earlier? Doing good, like, Lord, what would you have done in this situation? Lord, what does it look like for me to honor you by following you the best way I can? Doing good, and then the next piece. And do not fear anything that is frightening. Do do you hear the conflict in that? Like, that's a big deal moment. Do not fear anything that is frightening. Well, it's frightening. Why wouldn't I fear it? Right? Like, that's the natural response. And he's like, I'm telling you this. May God work in your soul to do something amazing. Human response, fear to something frightening. Divine response, dude, that thing's not shaking me at all. I've got a God who's bigger and I'm entrusting myself to him. And uh, how do you know who you're entrusting yourself to? Because at that level, whatever happens there fears you. What you're afraid of is what you're entrusting yourself to. Let that settle. So uh, I'm afraid of what the people think around me. Then you've entrusted yourself to popular opinion, right? Be careful what you're afraid of and watch what shakes you. And that's where your worship lies. I need for them to think this of me, right? I need for this to go this way so there's no risk and no... Be careful. What he's saying is in the face of things that would shake the normal human being, stand strong because you're looking over the top of them to your God who stands over all. That's what's going on. This is a huge moment of worship as fear comes down and worship comes up that your God might get the greater glory. That's an amazing time of worship. I, uh, I just wrote down here how to live hopeful before God. Um, make sure you have small problems and a huge God. Small problems and a huge God. You don't know my problems. Man, if you knew what was going on in my marriage, if you know who I was engaged to right now and where I'm headed, and please hear me on this, we would love to walk through any hurt and any struggle you have going on. We've got a number of pastors on staff and we're here for you. And we want to love you and walk through it, all right? And here's our thing. We're gonna set God's center stage and we're gonna see what He has to say. May we walk this thing through in a way where God protects you, where He loves on you, where He gives you from the greatness of who He is an amazing gift. That's what we're going after. May God be glorified. Let me just bring it back to the top now. And trust yourself to the one who judges justly. Are you hearing that? He judges justly. It means he's right in his movement. And trust yourself to him. God, I'm giving it to you. You could have ended this whole world. And you said no. You promised things to us. You are working with us, you are empowering us when we never deserved it. Your love is being poured in. We have hope in you, we have life in you. God, you're doing amazing things. I will keep my eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of my good faith. Lord, you are my king and I will live accordingly. And that's what it looks like for Jesus Christ to get the glory. We need to understand this. He is God Almighty. He does promise amazing things, and he always delivers. That's our God. My simple question to you is this. Are you ready to entrust yourself to him? Are you ready? It's not an easy call because the next thing you do is you'll say, Oh, yeah, I'm in. And then you get home, and something goes a little sideways, and you feel dissed on. And in the midst of being disrespected or not cherished, we start raising up against it and go, hey, didn't you listen today? Aren't you realizing what you need to be or do? Or didn't you hear last week when? And all of a sudden, there's this finger pointing that goes on. Can everybody just say, that's not the plan? Uh, Have you ever heard this statement? If you're ever pointing one finger out, there's four pointing back at you. Have you ever heard that? And uh, so now you did. So the answer is yes, you've heard that. And uh, it's a huge deal, man. It's an amazing moment for us to say, Lord, what do you want done in my life? It's a horrifyingly small moment when we get home and we say, here's what God wants to do in your life. I'm gonna tell you. Our job is to live before our God and creator and say, may you be glorified. I'm entrusting you. I'm ready for you to take over. And all of God's people said, Amen. "Man, let's go to the one who promises and delivers. Let's pray.